Exodus 29, 43 to 46. And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting in the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Welcome to Walking Through the Book. I'm Stephen. I'm Bryant. And I'm Jeremy. And we'd love to talk with you about the Bible. Specifically, we want to discuss Exodus chapters 28 and 29 today. Walking Through the Book is all about these three things. We want to encourage Bible reading. We want to demonstrate proper and responsible study of the Bible. And we want to uh, focus on what the text says, no more and no less. And we want to make sure that is clear in what we put forward. Uh, We're so grateful for you taking the time to be with us. If you want to contact us, you can find us on Facebook. You can search at Walking Through the Book, and you'll find us very easily there. Feel free to leave us a message or uh, post on there. We'd love to have a conversation with you. You can also email us, walkingthroughthebook at protonmail.com is that email. And uh, grateful, of course, to have Jeremy and Bryant with us. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Jeremy. Well, I was going to say, if they had any specific questions about why the format of this show is so different... That's because this is a special throwback episode. Oh, indeed, you indeed. you wanted to, yeah, you wanted to drop the <laughs> drop drop, drop the phrase drop the. Well, phrase. no, think about it though. I mean, because they're going to be listening, and there's a, yeah. a, a a way the show goes. Yeah, and there's the way that we do it now, and now it's a little so bit more relaxed. What they're going to hear is a preview of later shows. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. So, uh, the secret is out. Um, (laughs) I, uh, I, I have a backlog of these recordings reaching back about a year. Uh, and so we are re-recording an episode this morning. We are, we're re-recording Exodus 28 and 29 because I began to edit that episode yesterday and found that there was a track that was missing. I went back to <clears> the <throat> service we use Zencaster and tried to find uh, and download the backup file. There was no backup file. Uh, Not for me so, at least. Yeah. Bryant was the big all my problem fault. here. I mean, let's yeah. be now, it, no, look, look, technology, technology is a problem. Let's just be <laughs> real about it. Yeah. T- technology is not our friend all the time. No. So just, they, they they say computers make our lives easier, but we know sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Yeah, if they work, <laughs> when they work, they're fine. That's that's where I'm like automation. What? Anyway, that's another. Thing. So I think anyway. So for the rest of the shows, I'm just this this cracks me up. This is amusing to me. So for the rest of the shows that the people will be listening to. They will be coming across these shows, and we'll be talking about being like in the early stages of the pandemic. <laughs> and and here it. we are, this like ain't no big deal. <laughs> and here we are, going to be recording this, and it's way later. And we're kind of like looking back at ourselves when we were recording. Just, oh, right. ah, how hopefully we were. Mm, how we mm, didn't mm, know mm. what things were going on, but now here naive. now, now we know. Now we know. <laughs> yeah, it is March 9th, twenty twenty one. So it's oh, you gave it away. You're <laughs> <laughs> knee deep, and hopefully it's going so. down. Okay, but I want you to think about this. Now people will be listening to the previous shows. <laughs> they will hear what the date of this throwback show is. They will go back. And know what the the next of these in this series will be, and they'll say, "Man, that Steven guy takes forever to edit." <laughs> he does. <laughs> yeah, like whoa, he I does. Not realize, <laughs> and that is uh, that's that's part of the problem there. Uh, no, it's not a problem. Yeah. It's just reality. Editing yeah, it's, takes it's time, man. 
it's all good. Well, you know, really the way that we do it now and the way we're going to be doing it today, it's a little easier. I'll just say yeah. that too. Yeah. Because um, okay. what's funny is the last episode I edited, I think was one of the first ones where we did not break it down. Like, you know, here's mm-hmm. the section here and here's the section here. Here's wow. the section here. And uh, it was a little easier. I just tried to make sure I picked, you know, parts that seemed like, you know, interstitial between points to add some of the music and things like that. But it, it all works out. And uh, I, I'm, I'm grateful for these guys being willing to, to be a part of this. And um, it's an evolving process. It'd be a Definitely. lot more boring if it was just me. I'll put it that way. Um, so, it, it, it would be rough if it was any one of us by ourselves. Yeah. I think yep. having yep, other yep. people kind of check us. I mean, it's like if you listen to George Harrison's music after the Beatles, you're like, Oh, I mean, I guess it's fine. But when, or, but when you hear it, like the combo, you're like, Oh no, this really rocks. But, uh, but by themselves, I've got, disag- I've got to disagree with you. All things must pass is a fantastic album. I, I, you know, I love I, it. I'm going to allow you to say those things because I love the Beatles, <laughs> but George Harrison's, you know, there was something about the Beatles that was greater than the sum of its parts. Cause if you listen, I'm a Paul guy. So I'm just going to say that I think Paul McCartney was the most talented Beatle, but <laughs> by himself, he's a bit syrupy. He's a bit sweet. Yeah. And without that hard, hard edge that John brought it, it, it's not as good. See, I can't stand John. I cannot listen oh, no, to his solo him, no, stuff. It's himself. horrible. No, I can't. Now I can listen to some of the of the later uh, Paul stuff, but it's still very syrupy. I just know what it is. You have to have it cut. I like with- I like Paul's first uh, solo album, Ram. Ram is a great album. It's it uh, Ram is good, but it's not. It's not. I mean, come on, it's not Band on the Run. Band on the Run is a fantastic. Yeah. It is nigh Beatles esque in its beauty. I mean, I'll I'll agree with you. It's close. It's close to sounding like the Beatles. Oh, oh, oh bird! Ouch! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Welcome to walking through the Beatles. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, sure. <laughs> Somebody out there is going to be writing to us emails. They'll be like, "I like your Bible stuff, but your Beatles stuff, man, that you guys are so yeah, wrong." Taste. And they're going to have a hot take. <laughs> We're totally <laughs> off base. I really hope we don't lose anybody with the with be the like, Beatles talk. The fact that you didn't bring bring up any of the Ringo releases just shows that yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> Exodus chapter 28. Then bring near to yourself Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the sons of Israel to minister as priests to me. Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. You shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful persons whom I have endowed with the spirit of wisdom, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him that he may minister as priest to me. These are the garments which they shall make, a headpiece, and an ephod, and a robe, and a tunic of checkered work, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons, that he may minister as priest to me. They shall take the gold, and the blue, and the purple, and the scarlet material, and the fine linen, They shall also make the ephod of gold, of blue and purple, 
and scarlet material and fine twisted linen, the work of the skillful workman. It shall have two shoulder pieces joined to its two ends that it may be joined. The skillfully woven band, which is on it, shall be like its workmanship of the same material of gold, of blue, and purple, and scarlet material, and fine twisted linen. You shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on the one stone, the names of the remaining six on the other stone, according to their birth. As a jeweler engraves a signet, you shall engrave the stones according to the names of the sons of Israel. You shall set them in filigree settings of gold. You shall put the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of memorial for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for a memorial. You shall make filigree settings of gold and two chains of pure gold. You shall make them a twisted cordage work. You shall put the corded chains to the filigree settings. You shall make a breastpiece of judgment, the work of a skillful workman. Like the work of the ephod, you shall make it of gold, of blue, and purple, and scarlet material, and fine twisted linen, you shall make it. It shall be square, and folded double, a span in length, and a span in width. You shall mount on it four rows of stones. The first row shall be a row of ruby, topaz, and emerald. The second row, turquoise, a sapphire, and a diamond. The third row, a hyacinth, an agate, and an amethyst. The fourth row, a barrel, and an onyx, and a jasper. It shall be set in gold filigree. The stone shall be according to the names of the sons of Israel. Twelve, according to their names. They shall be like the engravings of a seal, each according to his name for the twelve tribes. You shall make on the breastpiece chains of twisted cordage work in pure gold. You shall make on the breastpiece two rings of gold, and you shall put the two rings on the two ends of the breastpiece. You shall put the two cords of gold on the two rings at the end of the breastpiece. You shall put the other two ends of the cords in the two filigree settings, and put them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod at the front of it. You shall make two rings of gold, and shall place them the two ends of the breastpiece on the edge of it, which is toward the inner side of the ephod. You shall make the two rings of gold and put them on the bottom of the two shoulder pieces of the ephod on the front of it to close the place where it is joined above the skillfully woven band of the ephod. You shall bind the breast piece by its rings to the rings of the ephod with a blue cord so that it will be on the skillfully woven band of the ephod and the breast piece will not come loose from the ephod. Aaron shall carry the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment over his heart when he enters the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. You shall put in the breastpiece of judgment the Urim and Thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. And Aaron shall carry the judgment of the sons of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. You shall make the robe of the ephod all of blue. There shall be an opening for his head in the middle of it. It shall have a woven binding all around its opening, like the opening in a coat of mail, so that it does not tear. And upon its hem you shall make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet all around its hem, and bells of gold between them all around, a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate, upon the hem of the robe all around. And it shall be upon Aaron when he ministers, and its sound will be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out, that he may not die. You shall also make a plate of pure gold, and engrave on it, like the engraving of a signet, holiness to the Lord. And you shall put it on a blue cord, that it may be on the turban. It shall be on the front of the turban. So it shall be on Aaron's forehead, that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel hallow in all their holy gifts. And it shall always be on his forehead, that they may be accepted before the Lord. You shall skillfully weave the tunic of fine linen thread. You shall make the turban of fine linen, and you shall make the sash of woven work. For Aaron's sons, you shall make tunics, and you shall make sashes for them. And you shall make hats for them for glory and beauty. 
So you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him. You shall anoint them, consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they may minister to me as priests. And you shall make for them linen trousers to cover their nakedness. They shall reach from the waist to the thighs. They shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they come into the tabernacle of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister in the holy place, that they do not incur iniquity and die. It shall be a statute forever to him and his descendants after him. This is what you shall do to them, to hallow them for ministering to me as priests. Take one young bull and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil. You shall make them of wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket with the bull and the two rams. And Aaron and his sons you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments, put the tunic on Aaron, and the robe of the ephod, the ephod and the breastplate, and gird him with the intricately woven band of the ephod. You shall put the turban on his head, and put the holy crown on the turban, and you shall take the anointing oil, pour it on his head, and anoint him. Then ye shall bring his sons and put tunics on them. And ye shall gird them with sashes, Aaron and his sons, and put the hats on them. The priesthood shall be theirs for a perpetual statute. So you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons. You shall also have the bull brought before the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. You shall take some of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger and pour all the blood beside the base of the altar. And you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull with its skin and its offal you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. You shall also take one ram, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the ram, and you shall kill the ram. You shall take its blood and sprinkle it all around on the altar. Then you shall cut the ram in pieces, wash its entrails and its legs, and put them with its pieces and with its head. And you shall burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Then you shall take the other ram, and Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the ram. You shall slaughter the ram, and take some of its blood, and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, and on the lobes of his son's right ears, and on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet, and sprinkle the rest of the blood around on the altar. Then you shall take some of the blood that is on the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and on his garments and on his sons and on his son's garments with him. So he and his garments shall be consecrated as well as his sons and his son's garments with him. You shall also take the fat from the ram and the fat tail and the fat that covers the entrails and the lobe of the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them and the right thigh for it is a ram of ordination and one cake of bread, and one cake of bread mixed with oil, and one wafer from the basket of unleavened bread, which is set before the Lord. And you shall put all these in the hands of Aaron and in the hands of his sons, and shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. You shall take them from their hands and offer them up in smoke on the altar on the burnt offering for a soothing aroma before the Lord. It is an offering by fire to the Lord. Then you shall take the breast of Aaron's ram of ordination, and wave it as a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be your portion. You shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heave offering, which was waved and which was offered from the ram of ordination, from the one which was for Aaron and from the one which was for his sons. It shall be for Aaron and his sons as their portion forever from the sons of Israel, for it is a heave offering. It shall be a heave offering from the sons of Israel from the sacrifices of their peace offerings even their heave offering to the Lord. The holy garments of Aaron 
shall be for his sons after him, that in them they may be anointed and ordained. For seven days the one of his sons who is priest in his stead shall put them on when he enters the tent of meeting to minister in the holy place. You shall take the ram of ordination and boil its flesh in a holy place. Aaron and his son shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Thus they shall eat those things by which atonement was made at their ordination and consecration, but a layman shall not eat them because they are holy. If any of the flesh of ordination or any of the bread remains until morning, then you shall burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten because it is holy. Thus you shall do to Aaron and to his sons, according to all that I have commanded you, you shall ordain them through seven days. Each day you shall offer a bull as a sin offering for atonement, and you shall purify the altar when you make atonement for it, and you shall anoint it to consecrate it. For seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and consecrate it, then the altar shall be most holy, and whatever touches the altar shall be holy. Now this is what you shall offer on the altar, two one-year-old lambs each day, continuously. The one lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. And there shall be one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with one-fourth of a hin of beaten oil, and one-fourth of a hin of wine for a drink offering with one lamb. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight and shall offer with it the same grain offering and the same drink offering as in the morning for a soothing aroma, an offering by fire to the Lord. It shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the doorway of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak to you there. I will meet there with the sons of Israel, and it shall be consecrated by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate Aaron and his sons to minister as priests to me. I will dwell among the sons of Israel and will be their God. They shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> there it is. Uh, it, yeah. One thing I'm realizing, you know, we we are we are kind of going to not have a sense of like, you know, what did we talk about last week? We mentioned last week about this or that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, at least, you know, I, I'll have sort of an idea of that, but <laughs> um, you know, well, obviously, okay. oh, go, go on, go on. Oh, no, I was no. gonna say, but we do have a different benefit. So I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. because we're doing. The- special throwback episode what we're not doing is doing it in linear uh form to what you know where yeah. we've been doing on the ones of the before and after however because we're we've already done the the later stuff we know exactly how all this kind of rolls out and yeah. so it's mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. to kind of go mm-hmm. back and read the instructions on this yeah and the cool thing is we know that everything that's written here they did it so right, right. Uh, i mean it, it is interesting to kind of kind of you know read this again yeah, but we know that all of these things already did happen, right? Uh, well, so one of the things that still strikes me—it strikes me every time. Um, there was a there was a quotation I read one time that just made me laugh. Um, they were talking about uh, the uh, the British parliamentarian. Uh, his name was Benjamin Disraeli, I believe he was prime minister. Uh, at, at and and someone described his fashion sense as as uh, the way that he dressed could make a pimp's eyes bleed. Uh. And I always remember that when I'm reading this description of the outfit from mm. the, uh, for the priest, very ornate because yeah. it, I, okay. It says for glory and for beauty and man, they ain't playing around. No. Yeah. I mean, this thing is the loudest outfit in the entire world. Yeah. yeah you've got very all noticeable. the purple, yeah. the, the blue, you've got the red. I mean, these are, these mm, are colors yeah. that not only don't appear 
okay, think about how normally drab a you know clothing would be for these people. They don't dress mm-hmm. like we do now. Right. They would have earth tones. They would have things that are, you know, you can die easily. You got things that come that are made out of wool, a lot of browns, mm-hmm. a lot of kind of simple things. But then you come across this thing and it's all, I mean, it's, it's the loudest thing ever. It's covered in gold. It's yeah. covered in all of these things. Not only are they bright colors, they're impossibly hard to make. <laughs> you yeah. have got to get the craziest kinds of, of dyes to make this color. So I just do you want to do you want to give him a cane and like tell him to walk like I'm telling you it's all it, walk it like really, keep on trucking thing. It really with is your feet out front. I, I'm serious. Where's the feather in the wide brimmed hat? Yeah, yeah, this thing is so loud. But yeah, but that's on but that's on purpose. Just like the colors that are present. Okay, think about how much he would match the tabernacle in this. Okay? Uh, and it's not just the colors, the pattern. Right. He's talking about having this stuff as checkered. I mean, you notice checkered. You don't, I mean, no one shows up in a suit on Sunday with a checkered suit unless they're trying to make a statement. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, now, I know we talked about this previously because I remember it. Some people have used this description to talk about why we dress up on Sundays. Ah, uh, yes, I was, but yeah, if any, yeah. but if anyone dressed up like this on Sunday, <laughs> it would be considered not only audacious, but silly. Yeah. Yeah. And yep, so yep. the kind of description for this, it, it, it was supposed to be the most outlawed, outlandish and out loud thing in the entire world, but it would have matched the rest of the tabernacle. Right. Yeah. Yeah, this had a very clear old covenant purpose. You know, it's just it's so connected to what the old covenant was and what the tabernacle and the altar and all of that was. You know, it's just it's not a fair comparison to make a clothing point no. for us today at all. Also, the description of the fact that short that shorts are sinful because they were supposed to wear things mm. that went to their knees. Uh, inappropriate yeah. use of the Old Testament. Yeah, those are I think we talked about that last time. <laughs> In, indeed oh i do i do want to say uh you know about this though uh not only do, do they match the 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 dis- depictions of holiness by having the absolute overbearing demonstration of wealth and in um, and opulence that's associated with god's presence but secondarily it is these people who match that in the tabernacle who are bearing the names of the people of Israel. This is something that you were talking yeah. about previously, uh, Stephen, the fact that they are the ones who are bearing the names of the children of Israel, not mm-hmm. just once, but twice. Uh, they've got it on the shoulders, mm-hmm. which is the two onyx pieces, but they also have right. on the breastplate, which has yeah, all really interesting. And it, and, and so here you have someone, this is what kills me. You've got God's presence, which is demonstrated by the ridiculous opulence. You've got the men who are dressed up in an outfit that matches that. But they are the ones who are taking our names before God. Mm-hmm. And I cannot help but mm-hmm. see the New Testament application of this. Absolutely. There is no human being who matches God's presence except for Jesus. And he's the one who carries our name before him. And so yeah. I love the figure mm-hmm. for the Messiah that this is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's so many parallels. Like for one, I think this is a very good parallel to the idea of like what Christ or Messiah means being in like an anointed one, um, you know, and like what the role of the anointed one is and like specifically what that work is and why you need that work and why it's so important, you know? Well, here's, here's the question on that point in terms of what I would call evidences. I mean, it could this people have just come up with this system and you know then later on people just copy that that idea um you know why why in the world would they do this on this level yeah if it was like something connected to something later on right and i think like that's the thing is that's what's so mind blowing about this is the amount of connections that you can continuously discover related to jesus is amazing like what jeremy was saying the fact that his clothing is almost like a living, it's marking him as a living embodiment of what the most holy place is. 
and he both comes out of that place, but goes back into that place is the same as Jesus who comes out of heaven itself so that he can atone for us, so that we can see him and see him as the fulfillment of God's plans, so that he can redeem us and offer sacrifices and gifts to connect us to God. But then the high priest also goes back into that place. And there's so many places in the New Testament where it emphasizes the importance that Jesus was sent from heaven, but he also goes back on our behalf to continue to work as a high priest. So just the ideas of his clothing and the symbolism involved with coming out of the most holy place and how similar his clothing is to the most holy place. I think all of that's just super, super significant and amazing. thing I think it's really uh, uh, interesting in this is how specific all of these things were to the priesthood and yet Mm. there was someone later on who felt like he was priest adjacent Mm. so uh, David is is notorious for not only having the ephod with him but sometimes also wearing the ephod or maybe not the full ephod but certainly the linen part Right, right, and right. I just I can't get over like you see David doing things that are priest specific. Man, that guy wanted to be a priest so bad. Mm. He so wanted to be a priest, and it's just interesting. Mikael, Mikael was making even even making fun of him for it. He you well, know he's dancing and just like not that's wearing a whole the other royal garments. That, that is a whole other thing. But you're right. She, but well, she doesn't she doesn't get him. She doesn't understand him at all. Yeah, she has yeah. no. Well, I mean, her con- her conception of what a king looks like was dad, and David is <laughs> not so way old. different. And yeah. so, like, <laughs> she, you know, she's making fun of him for like being, uh, uh, for not looking royal enough, uh, not and controlling says, himself, kind of thing. Right, and 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 not looking dignified, and and then he, mm. you know, and then he says, you know, he goes, yeah, I haven't been undignified yet. You ain't seen undignified. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's that's a pretty a, amazing statement. Again, another discussion, <laughs> but but I think it, it really tells it. It shows us how much David really. I mean, guy wanted to be a priest more than anything yeah. in the entire world. Of course, he could not be, and it is not until Jesus that you can have someone to to be all of those things. Right, 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 uh, right, right. But but it kind of tells you a little bit about. And thankfully, David didn't go so far as Saul did to no you know, completely just. You know, make offerings and things like that. No, he does not. No. And so it's weird that he wanted to have all the trappings of the priesthood, but he still doesn't do the the, the thing that Saul does that's wrong. That's right. Right. I, I think... Go I ahead. Can't, go on. I, I was just going to uh, point out that I think like David understood something I think really, really key. Um, that being being a king wasn't the highest achievement, but being a priest was the highest achievement. You know, because like, for instance, Jesus was a king before he came to the world, but Mm -hmm. he had to come into the world to become a priest Mm -hmm. and not a priest after the order of Aaron, but a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So like, you know, Jesus was already king, but he wasn't yet a priest until he came and he suffered and he died and rose from the dead. And I think David understood that there's something about how special the work of a priest is and how significant Mm -hmm. that is. That is the most important thing. They're going before God on behalf of people. Absolutely, yes, God thought it was important. Right, I mean, right. I mean, you look at you look at Joshua, who is the who is the 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 priest who needs to be cleaned before he can serve mm. in his capacity, and God makes sure that he can be, even though Satan is the right. one bringing accusation against him, because the work is too important to to, mm. to cancel it just because you have right. an imperfect man. 
Right. One of the other things, like it didn't strike me before this, but it did this time. That's a heavy get up. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of pieces. That's a lot of weighing down yeah, on you. A lot of gold. Yeah, a lot of rock. Walking around with all that rock and gold. That's, that's heavy. <laughs> yeah. I just, it just never struck me before. I mean, it talked like, about one piece. What was the piece that, it, in my translation, talked about like mail? Where oh, that's the tear. robe where it's opened at the chest, like a coat of yeah. mail that it won't tear. Right. Okay. Yep. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I've. I know this is not exactly exactly the same thing, but I've worn a chainmail shirt before, and that is uh, that's some heavy, heavy stuff. And this but is gold, and gold is right. actually heavy. Yeah. It's is heavier. Yeah. Gold yeah. is actually heavier. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So it yeah. is a heavy getup. Right. And then uh, uh, you have all the rocks on top of that. So not yeah. only it's like you're wearing uh, you know all this chainmail and also rocks in the pockets. Wow, yeah, that's, that's going <laughs> to be really heavy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a really big story um, in that too, where it talks about um, in verse 12, Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders. And then verse 29, Aaron shall carry the names of the sons of Israel. It mentions like over his heart, you know, so the idea of like almost oh, like yeah. symbolically carrying Israel and the burden of the nation on his shoulders and carrying the burden of the nation yep. over his heart, you know, is again, like the idea of the Messiah. Or at least the like, weight what of their means. sin. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, right. but it's beautiful, you know, because it's it's not a burden uh, you know, that's ugly. You know, it's it's a beautiful thing for him to be able to carry that burden. Another thing that's interesting that he has over his heart is the Urim and Thummim. Now we don't mm. really read about mm-hmm. what they are about at yeah. this point, but later on we learn that this is to be able to make judgments when God needs to answer a yes or right, no question. Right, right. Mm. Uh, that the Urim and the Thummim seem to be a part of that. Now I don't know how that works. But it seems that somehow it is connected. There's this mm-hmm. idea of like God can say yes or no, and of course that's what He has over His heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I'm thinking of is a comparison with this get up to what we see Christ in in Revelation in Revelation one. Sure. Yeah. The sash. The yeah, the golden band, the yep. sash, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and I think. Even though he doesn't have any kind of ephod necessarily in the text, his look is just by itself resplendent. It's, da- it's dazzling. Just, yeah. yeah, and I mean, obviously terrifying. I think because sure. John falls down at his feet as if as if he's dead, right. and the son of man has to you know put laid his right hand on me, saying, "Do not be afraid. I'm the first and last." Um, later on it mentions that there is a name on his, what is it on his right hand on his thigh? Yeah, his thigh. Uh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I I would suggest that the figure that we have in revelation probably is focusing more. I'm sorry, on his robe and on his thigh, a name written King of Kings, Lord, probably more focused on that aspect of kingship. Whereas, but, but at the same time, there is a resplendence to yep. his appearance there. Well, yeah, I mean, because imagine for a minute that you've got all these people who are kind of dressed in like your, you know, your drab clothing that's made of wool or or other, you know, or linen or things like that. And then this dude comes out in this blue, purple, and red getup that's got gold everywhere. And the sun hits that guy, and you got to like cover your face, like man, high <laughs> yeah. priest stepped out. I can't see right. anymore. Yeah, that would be. Like that would get your attention, and that's mm. the point. Uh, speaking of getting attention, uh, we will notice this later in our readings. That he's got the <laughs> bells that are on the hem, right? And the bells, of course, are are a part that it doesn't really say it here. That it, if they don't have the bells on, and 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 that you can't hear the t- the tinkling of the bells, the priest might die. Mm. So this is not yeah. just like a part of the getup because of the people. This actually has to do with making sure the priest can live. So yeah. the bells become something important later on. Yeah, the text yeah. later on sort of seems to suggest that, you know, God hears that. And he's like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, that also, that also connects to this idea of the fact that he's bearing the sons of Israel, but he's also the one who's bearing the sin. And therefore, he's the only one who can approach. Anybody mm. else would die. If a layman does these things, he's going to die. 
So it's not for anybody else. It's only for the priest. He's the one who is responsible for the holy things. He's got the stuff that makes him holy. Uh, another thing that, that makes him holy, not only the bells kind of tell God that he's coming, which, of course, it's not that he doesn't know, but it's part of this, like, respect for who, what we're doing here. You don't go bust into the, ch- the king's chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he has this kind of announcement. But the other thing he's got is the... Uh, the medallion that sits on the front of the the turban that says mm-hmm. "Holy to the Lord." Yeah, the crown. Mm-hmm. I was about to he, mention that. Just he's got so much stuff. I mean, this is it's such a big deal. Many pieces. I mean, this is this is one of the yeah, and all of it is is goes to serve one purpose, and that is to remind everybody that the high priest was not just your average Joe, mm-hmm. and that you needed someone who was you know, in this office to be able to go before God, because you can't. No, I was just thinking about wearing this whole resplendent get up and you're, you know, you're having to sprinkle blood. You're having to deal with these, you know, all these aspects of the sacrifice and what that means. Yeah. Beautiful, but dirty, dirty with blood specifically. Yeah. Which again is meant to be a beautiful thing. thing Go ahead, Jerry. We're good. But you know, we, we talked about this. We talked about this. We will talk about this in a later show. Uh, <laughs> this idea that the function of these men who are doing this, the other thing we can forget, he doesn't just walk around being pretty. He mm. walks around killing animals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so the other part right. is that like, that he's like specifically involved in like literally being a professional butcher. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about the pretty, but dirty. Well, that's, there's a big part of that. Um, yeah. But of course, then you other, you have a, it's not just the visual senses and the auditory senses, but you also have like the nose senses as well because mm. the olfactory senses technically, but because he's also anointed and the anointing right. oil is all very perfumed and specific right, right. smelling. So the man is an assault on the senses, right? Yeah. Yeah. You cannot, Sight, for, smell, sound. you cannot avoid knowing that he has showed up. That's right. Right. So, yeah. um, Maybe I'm maybe I'm just not remembering properly right now, but would an outsider have ever seen, you know, the the high priest in this get up? I mean, sojourners that went along with the children of Israel, they were not allowed in the assembly. Uh, sojourners, no, they could bring no, they could bring sacrifices. Okay, no, they, 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 they would they would have seen the high priest at one point. Sure. Oh, yeah, if they because so, yeah, yeah. Uh, even sojourners were allowed to bring sacrifices. There's only right. one thing. There's only one thing a sojourner was not allowed to do, and the only thing he wasn't allowed to do was participate in the, in the Passover. But everything else, if they wanted to come and bring an animal, that was they were allowed to do that. That would be cool. So I think it's neat. So I've, let's just say I come from Edom, and I'm an Edomite, and I'm hanging out, I'm being cool with the sons of Israel, and I've got a part of their like economy and all this kind of stuff. And uh, and I want to know what this God thing's about. And I show up, and then there's this dude, mm-hmm. and he is wearing like the loudest <laughs> outfit <laughs> ever created. It had to have made like an impression. Mm. It would have to make an impression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think with with uh, appearance and all the things involved, you know, it really I think is meant to make the priest himself and the people understand like God's focus um, by focusing their attention on the high priest and then the high priest, like the consecration in chapter 29, I think basically is almost like bringing them back to the wilderness, you know, and trying to simplify things is like, look, you've got all these things, you've got a lot of freedom, but ultimately here's what your focus is. It's these things right here that you need to help Israel understand their need for this, mm-hmm. their value in these things, the bread you'll be provided yep. for, you know, but like this, this is everything to you. And I think in Hebrews, there's a huge point in Hebrews, specifically chapters five through seven, that makes the point that a priest right. is appointed to offer very specific things. And Jesus as our high priest is appointed for a very specific work. And so if yes. we don't learn to value the gifts that Jesus gives for his priesthood, then we won't value our need for him. We won't value his purpose or his work and we'll be disassociated from him. So we do have a great deal of freedom, but that freedom is to value willingly and to submit willingly to the nature of what Jesus gives and what his work is specifically and to simplify our focus on those things. 
And another, you know, you bring up Hebrews. The other contrast is that these men, it wasn't about the men, the men individually. They were imperfect right. people. We've seen right, right, Aaron right, right. be kind of a screw up. We've seen some things happen. But they were allowed to offer a sacrifice for themselves. So you also had the humbling. Yeah, you guys are able to engage mm. in this right, know, right, great right. work and you get to be a part of this. But you also have to make atonement for yourself. Right. You also don't just get to, like, you know, uh, uh, just kind of flounce in, in mm. the holiest of holy things mm-hmm. you want. You might die. If you do that, you can come once a year and you have to make sure that you're clean before you do that. So there's also kind of a an inherent humility because yeah, it's such a good dude, point. It's not about you. <clears throat> I feel like too, that would also like emphasize if you need this, then what does that tell you? If other Israelites never show up at the tabernacle, right? Like you are especially holy <laughs> That's it. and you need to do this first. So it should be pretty alarming if you know that there are a lot of Israelites who are literally never coming to the tabernacle, you know? the other you know related to what y'all were saying too um aaron and his sons putting their hands on the head of the bull mm, mm-hmm. almost like yeah you know connecting themselves to this sacrifice it's not something that's just detached right, um, right. And, and this being the one like the first of the sacrifices really because the consecration yeah. of the priest has to happen before the priest can start the beginning and we're talking about this later on when we get to leviticus you know uh this is the first set of sacrifices that have to happen because then the priests can begin their job and the rest of the sacrificial mm. system begins. You right. have to have something that starts it. And the, and their sacrifices of ordination uh, and consecration are what allow that. Yeah. And so the people would see them do that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to identify themselves with the animal that dies. But the other thing is, as a priest, man, I mean, you really know that you are no longer the guy you were. You can't be. Uh, yeah. You put yeah, your definitely. hand on the head of an animal that died. Man, we are in this. T- we are in this now. Yeah, is, this is definitely about as close as you can get beyond plastic surgery of like literally becoming like a new person, you know, and the idea of being born again, being very vividly demonstrated as much as possible, you know, because they would also shave their whole body we find out later. So they would shave their whole body. They would wash with water, put on new garments, have an oil poured over their body. So, I mean, it's like you're being cleaned, washed, shaved, new garments, blood. And so it really is like a whole new beginning and a whole new identity. Brand new identity. Uh, What do you guys think about 2920? I'm always kind of struck by like, you take the blood and you like, you touch it to these specific places on the priest's body is ear, hand, foot, well, toe, <sighs> finger. Okay. I have a story. I have a story about this. <laughs> so I'm studying this stuff with, with some young, some young people. Uh, we're doing it in Leviticus is when it, is when it comes up. And, and, and one of the young men got completely obsessed over this. Really? I had to say straightforwardly, we don't have anything in scripture that ever explains this. It's just said. Right. And then that's what they did. Yeah, it's like, hey, now, do this. I will I will admit that there are some easy like things to reach for if I'm not stupid. Like, okay, obviously our ears are for hearing, our thumbs do work and make it so our hands can do stuff and our feet move us where we're supposed to go. Look, I mean, yeah. 
it's not hard to kind of see some application stuff. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. hard to leave, but scripture itself never tells us directly right. what it is that that's about. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Yeah, it's kind of like, is it comparable? Like it, it's comparable to me of when Abraham has all those uh, animals laid out and he cuts them all completely in half and something passes between them. Like, <laughs> like I have what? no idea what's going on there. Yeah, it, but it's it, weird. I actually and it's something have more, that's interesting. I actually have more of that than I do anything because the idea of covenant has the idea of cutting. And yeah. so yeah. part of part of enacting mm. a covenant in the in the ancient world would be to cut an animal in half. And the idea is it would remind you of what you were promising would happen to you if you fail the covenant. Mm. And yeah, so God, God is going through himself. a very human action of of saying he's swearing by himself, obviously. May I do to myself more than what has been done to these animals if I don't uphold my covenant which is what humans would do. May the gods do more to me. That's the idea. So later phrases sort of help us to understand that. Mm. But I don't, but I have even less about this. Mm. I have even less about the lobe, the thumb, the toe. The best we have is kind of like when we think about, um, oh, uh, and it shall be on your forehead as a frontlet and on your mm. hand. You know, mm. it doesn't ever explain it. But we do understand, okay, well, you know, obviously forehead's about thinking inside, right, hands right. about action. So we have to do the best we can with what we have. But I don't I cannot point to one verse that says exactly what that's about. Yeah. Yeah, and Jeremy, what you said makes sense too, with it just like just being very, very simple about it with like hands work, feet move, ears here, you know, and like, well, the blood is related to like God purchasing or like, hey, this belongs to me. This is really important. So don't use this for anything other than what I've purchased it for. Well, I know that I want to really get my kids' attention for not paying attention or not listening. I do grab their mm. earlobes, so I mean, I get mm. it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. No lie. Yep, yep. A little bit of clarification. In verses 32 and 33, um, they'll eat the flesh of the ram. They'll eat those things, uh, verse 33, with which the atonement was made. But an outsider shall not eat them. Is the outsider someone who is not a priest or is yes. an outsider? No, yeah. a high priest. It would not be a high priest. Right. Okay. Um, layman is the new American rendering of this, but it's the idea okay. of it, it just means somebody who is not one of the high priests. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Interestingly enough, when we get to the actual ordination, see, okay, all of this happens in Leviticus right before you have the incident with Nadab and Abihu, whose names we have just mm. read just a minute ago. Mm -hmm. They're accounted with the priests, uh, mm -hmm. son, the sons of Aaron. Mm -hmm. But you have all these things. But one of the things they're commanded is during this process, they're not allowed to leave. They're not allowed to leave the the, uh, the tent. Mm -hmm. They have to stay right here in the tent of meeting, and they can't mm -hmm. leave. So yep. they 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 stay there for a week, do this stuff. Yeah, it's a yeah. big deal. Right. Yeah. Really letting it sink in. You know, Stephen, you said something that got me thinking. What, you know, what about the historicity of all this stuff? What about, you know, could these people have just kind of said this thing and then like they were doing a weird kind of cult ritual and then later on it was kind of picked up by other people? Well, one of the things that kind of strikes me about this is how authentic it is, especially with mm. even a small detail like the fat tail of the lamb. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't even know what that is unless you live in the area and you can see those lambs that do have those fat tails. Mm. It's a very sort of a different look. Uh, for the sheep that are from a very particular area, they've got these like you know different sections. It looks like they're it looks like their butts padded. I don't I don't know another way to say that, but it's got <laughs> these two like things that hold over the tail, and it's where the fat is on these animals. Hmm. And you wouldn't like you wouldn't know that unless you knew that these animals look like this. Yeah. And so there's a very kind of a particular look to the the sheep that have the fat tail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then that the, you know there is a continual offering on the altar day by day continually. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. That's uh, yeah. I know we've talked about that a good bit, but I mean, I, it always impresses me because I just I, I think about that and I'm like, wow, that's just. And, and and when you when you pull it into the New Testament sense of there is always an offering for sin. And what that means is, you know, again, going back to Hebrews, he he offered himself, Christ offered himself once for all. 
Mm-hmm. And that is the continual offering that goes on forever. Uh, really awesome thoughts there. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. The fact that God was going to be able to live with his people uh, required this system to be in existence. Yeah. Because right. it is only through these things that he would be able to live with his people, being a holy God and then being an impure people. There are things that are dead um, that without being lived out, they lose their meaning completely. And it completely loses the intention of why it's there. You know, so like Jesus fulfilling the law, you know, if the law is not acted out by faith, it's just a bunch of dead ordinances that, you know, even if you try to obey them, but it's not obeyed by faith, it just results in death. Like what's said in Romans seven, you know, the law brings about wrath, but life comes through faith in Christ. Right. And so Jesus in Matthew five, when he said that he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, he's proving that the law, although on its own merit was just a bunch of dead ordinances, it was always meant to be lived out. It was always meant to be planted in the heart. And if it was planted in the heart by faith, then the intention of God was fulfilled and life was given, right? And it's the same today that, you know, the New Testament and the church and everything that God says in the epistles, you know, it's it's all ultimately dead unless it's lived out by faith and it needs to be lived out by faith. It's meant to have a living form. It's meant to have embodiment in our lives. It can't be something that is only um, academic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the book of the law was gathering was gathering dust in the temple until you know they found in the time of Josiah. Right. And when Josiah saw these things were not being observed, uh, he had the right reaction. Um, yeah. And so there's an important principle with the New Testament being written much more personally, like personal letters. And I think that's the principle. The Old Testament, you know, like the prophets, those are very personal, but it's ultimately God communicating directly through a person, like very directly, you know, God speaking in the first person very often. But in the New Testament, the glory with like Romans and 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, these are letters that are much more from the perspective of a person speaking divinely because the new covenant now God has fulfilled his plan of planting himself more deeply into the hearts of men. And so Paul proves that principle. The apostle Paul and Peter and John and the writers of the New Testament, they prove the fulfillment of that principle that ultimately the new covenant is about God living in and dwelling among people much more intimately to give life and embodiment to his character much more clearly. And that's exactly exactly what I was going to be asking too, is where is the the glory among the priesthood of the new Testament church. And I think part mm-hmm. of the answer and what you just said is so spot on. Our high priest is, is in the heavens and he is, you know, he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God and he's working. He's, he's doing, he's carrying our name, bearing our names uh, uh, ahead of him. Uh, the sacrifice is a continual sacrifice in uh, revelation five. You know, the Lion of Judah is 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 shown to be a wounded lamb when John finally looks at him. And uh, that's that's the savior that we have. And I think it's important to note. I remember one time a friend of mine who's Catholic posted a meme on Facebook that was comparing the opulence of a cathedral versus the more modern, as he put it, Catholic churches that are much more austere and, you know, uh, uh, simple looking. And he was talking about like, Oh, well, you know, that's, that's not just doesn't look as nice. And I don't like the, the more simple stuff. And I'm just thinking, well, that's, that's really beside the point now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, I think that's part of what, Jesus is talking about to, to the Samaritan woman in John four, um, you know, you worry about location and things like that. It's not going to matter soon. Now at the time he was saying Jerusalem is the place, you know, you guys have it wrong, but you know, the time's going to come when God's going to look for those who want to worship him in spirit and in truth and, Mm -hmm. uh, dressing and acting in such a way to bring glory to myself. Uh, I think it should be obvious that that, that that messes with that whole concept. 
Mm-hmm. And if we consider the opulence and the and the and the and the strength to be associated with our single great high priest, then what a robbery for human beings to think that it is up to them to not only function as a an intermediary mm-hmm. and secondarily to have outfits that show their um, outfits that take away from his opulence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Yep. And, and let me say this too: <laughs> I think that uh, designer clothes and you know skinny jeans and those sorts of things worn by you know megachurch pastors, I think that can distract just as much. Sure, like, maybe it's I mean, not. Yeah, maybe it's not opulent, but you know if you're wearing a shirt that costs five hundred dollars. <laughs> I mean, or shoes that cost two thousand. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And it may look like, you know, a worn in or something. Uh, I don't know. It's an absurd culture we live in, but <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole other thing. But uh, uh, you know, the hidden person of the heart—that's what God mm-hmm. is looking at. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now, I mean, I'll say this in terms of—and I'm not necessarily defending wearing a suit and tie to Sunday morning church services. But I will say that I've known of brethren who didn't have much, but still were able to go to thrift stores and get a suit and a tie and wear it. And it looks fine, you know, um, it, w- it looks good. So I don't think that, you know, I think a lot of people get it wrong when they think, well, they can't afford a suit and tie so that, you know, they don't have to wear it kind of thing. I think there is a sense where I can be a part of the worship period and not, not be dressed appropriately. Uh, mm-hmm. If I'm up on the, at the Lord's supper table with like a, I don't know, um, a shirt that has I, maybe even something inappropriate, but like, let's say I had a big Tasmanian devil t-shirt and I go up. In, Are you going in, Florida man on us, aren't you? Do what? I said, you're going Florida man on us. Well, you know, I mean, that's, that's what I saw growing up. Uh, and I and I spent seven years of my childhood in Florida, so yeah. Uh, but that's kind of you know, I think there is the question of what is appropriate, sure. not necessarily mm-hmm. what is best. And I think that's just again that's something that we sort of have to ask ourselves and think about. Okay, you know, I, I've known of churches to say you know all the men that are getting up need to you know at least wear a tie on Sunday morning that sort of thing. I don't know about that, but, uh, you know, maybe that's I think not, we can, we can be a little too dressed down for that. We can, we can, mm-hmm. see, yeah. we can fail to see the importance of it. I think that there are places in the scriptures that tell us that there, there is an inappropriate attitude at some point. All right. Well, uh, we're grateful for you taking the time to listen today and we hope that what we've uh, had to share has been useful. Definitely been useful for me to kind of go mm-hmm. back here and, uh, mm-hmm. kind of think about some of these things again. Um, you know, especially after having gone through Leviticus and now we're uh, sort of in the tail end of numbers here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of where we're recording right now, actually, believe it or not. Uh, so you have a lot of uh, what I think pretty good content to look forward to. Um, I'll try to step up more on my editing game and get those out a little bit more often. But uh, but certainly grateful to you and uh, to you, Bryant and Jeremy, for being a part of this and uh Thank you guys so Appreciate much. Appreciate all the hard work of your, your editing. If I was doing the editing, we would be way more, way more behind than a year. Yeah, well, me I too. don't know about yep. that. Ditto that. <laughs> nah, you're doing well. a good job, Stephen. Well, next time, Lord willing, we're going to get into Exodus chapter 30. And uh, it will be one of those old recordings <laughs> uh, from about a year ago. So again, uh, keep that in mind. But until next time, we hope you study well. Be lights to God's glory. Oh,
The music used in this program is graciously provided by Symphonia. Symphonia is a nonprofit foundation whose purpose is to compose, publish, and promote hymns for congregational worship. Find out more at symphonia.com.